human nature itself has never changed. Satan's nature of temptation has never changed. In fact, it is the very temptation that Satan brought to Adam and Eve in the garden is the very one that he's using today in many a church. Did God really say that? Do you really understand God correctly? Do you know that this is what he meant by saying this? Hello and welcome to Candid, where we never settle for less than the truth. I'm your host, Jonathan Youssef. Each week we'll tackle tough issues, answer your hard questions, and take a candid look at the Christian faith. Today I have the honor of welcoming my father, Dr. Michael Youssef, back to Candid Conversations to discuss his new book, Treasure That Lasts. In a year where it feels like so much has been stripped away in a moment, it's the perfect time to talk about where we are investing our time, talent, and treasure. Now to our conversation. Dad, welcome to Candid Conversations. Thank you for having me. Yeah, we're talking about your latest book, Mm. Treasure That Lasts, Trading Privilege, Pleasure, and Power for What Really Matters. Sure. I recently interviewed Rosaria Butterfield, and she was saying every book that she writes starts Mm. with a question. Right. And... You're obviously writing a book on the life of Moses, but my question to you would be, what was sort of the impetus? Were there things that you saw in our world today that made you see correlation to the life of Moses? Absolutely, yes. I mean, we are a self-worshipping culture. Uh, It's everything about me. And even though they may joke about it and uh, comedians make fun of it, it's not all about you, but it is. It is all about me, me, me. And even in the social media, occasionally when I I just have a few minutes and I look and read, love yourself, love yourself, love yourself. Well, you don't have to tell people to love themselves. They love themselves. It's just by nature. And so this self-worship and self-adulation and self-seeking and all that self, self, self. And then you take that and you put it against the backdrop of a man who was ready to inherit the throne of the most powerful empire in the world at the time. There was no other powers that would even match at that time. Of course, Egyptian power has waned later. But those years when Moses was there, that was the most powerful nation in the world. The good old days for you, right? Well, not for me. I've never had those good old days in Egypt. (laughs) What do you say to the person who says, okay, Michael, Old Testament is tremendously distanced from me, not only geographically, but chronologically. Right. How do these lessons apply to us from this, you know, ancient uh, text, ancient empire? The person who asks that question generally doesn't understand that human nature has never changed. (laughs) There may be a change in technology and change in development and all of that. I acknowledge that, of course. But human nature itself has never changed. Satan's nature of temptation has never changed. In fact, it is the very temptation that Satan brought to Adam and Eve in the garden is the very one that he's using today in many a church. Did God really say that? Do you really understand God correctly? Do you know that this is what he meant by saying this? And on and on and on. So the the temptation 
and Satan has never changed. Human nature has never changed. The third thing is the Scripture says, particularly 1 Corinthians 10, that these things in the Old Testament recorded for a purpose, and they recorded for us as a warning, an encouragement, either way, motivation or warning, or both, uh, so that we cannot just dismiss the Old Testament and say, well, you know, we just live in a different time. Because how else would you learn? Who is this book written for? It's really written for everybody. It is written for parents as they are bringing up their children yeah. to know and love Jesus and to be trained in what is biblical, what is right, and what's wrong. It is for pastors. It's for church leaders. It's for lay people. It's for Bible teachers. It's for everybody. Here's a man who had the opportunity to be somebody. <laughs> in his case, is the most powerful man in the world. And yet he says, no, I turned my back on it because I'm going to stand up with my people. That's what Hebrews said. Mm-hmm. Hebrews said, Moses chose to suffer with God's people and turn his back on the treasures of Egypt. That's where your title comes from. Exactly, yeah. So yeah. In fact, uh, when I... Um, speak about this topic, I I called it giving up gold for glory. Yeah. And uh, the publisher, of course, uh, preferred the title Treasure That Lasts, which is really a good title because it is. We all have treasures. We all treasure something. Right. And we can treasure something that disappears with the stock market collapse or with the economy collapse or with the real estate collapse or with gold prices collapse, whatever it is, the treasure that we treasure. But there is a treasure that will always be there for you. Never, never loses its value. Well, that brings me to the next question, which is, you know, generationally, the gold or the treasure, it changes from generation to generation, it seems. Maybe not on a massive scale, but on a smaller scale. So my question to you, I guess, would be would – what was your generation's treasure, so right. to speak? And what do you th- see as the right. treasure that the, the younger generations are valuing right. apart from God's glory? Deep down for in every generation, regardless of the object of their worship or that object of their adoration or idols, the object may change. But the reality of the depth of the soul is something called greed, Mm -hmm. is that I want more and more and more and never enough. Mm -hmm. That is really the question. So every generation may vary and change, but where is your heart, Jesus said. See, a lot of people confuse this, and they say, Jesus said, where your heart is, there's your treasure. No, no, no. He said, where your treasure is, there is your heart. Mm. Because, you know, I can have my heart somewhere, and this is my treasure, and yeah, it could be just anything. But if you really want to know where your heart is, find out where your treasure is. And so that is applicable to every generation since the creation, Mm. whether it is the 21st century or the 5th century B.C., but do you see a, a, you know, some transitions between the material things versus, you know, nowadays it's, it seems to be a little bit less material and more towards 
personal profile and how people view you. It's the social media right. imagery that's being right. put forth. In fact, you had the example of Andre Agassi. Right. Images Ima- everything. Images everything. That's the old commercial. Yeah. yeah. But, I mean, do you see those? I, I just want to talk a little bit about the subtle shifts that are taking place. Sure. That the people see. Yeah. Um, as I said, the object of our worship and the object of our desires will change. But that's not really – I mean, we, we, we can focus and I can go back in the 60s and tell you about, you know, what their object of their worship was. And, and uh, you know, we're all going to have a summer of love and, right. and peace, man. Right. And, you know, don't trust your thinking. Trust your heart. Trust your feelings. Right. All of that. That was that generation. So the changing of the idols is not the issue. Right. It's the idol itself. What is it? that you are worshiping? What is it? And so I tell people, it's not that you own gold. I think it's fine. You want to own gold, own gold. There's no problem. Don't even feel guilty about owning gold or silver. That's fine. But is the gold owning you? Yeah. So that is really the question I raise in the book. Now, it's okay to have possessions. I've been blessed to have some possessions. But are my possessions possessing me? Yeah. That's really the question. Well, and it's important to hit that core issue because what happens is I think is it sounds like as each successive generation comes, yeah. they think the thing we are pursuing is more righteous oh, than what the yes. previous generation thought, <laughs> yeah. right? And yeah, we tend yeah. to write that off. So yeah. I think it's it's good that you're – I mean even sure. again, we're looking at yeah. uh, what, 3,500 years ago. Right. Some things have not changed yeah. in terms of what people are pursuing. Exactly. And, That's why I wrote the book. I want to show that even though maybe – Long time ago. 3,500 years ago. The heart has not changed. Mm-hmm. And the only one who can change the heart is Jesus. Mm-hmm. See, I remember in the 60s because, um, you know, I grew up in the hippie movement. I mean, I was, uh, you know, basically don't trust anybody over 30. Right. That was a cry. Yeah, slogan, don't, yeah. yeah, don't trust anybody over 30. And then when the baby boomers got yeah. into their 30s, all of a sudden, oh, yeah, well, <laughs> you know. Yeah. And, and uh, so – all these trends, they come and they go, and yeah. they come and they go. I don't focus on them as much as I focus on the heart. And where is the heart? Okay, you got different temptations, but it's the same core temptation, yeah. and that is, where is your heart? Yeah. As I read through the book, I realize that there are a lot of parallels between your life and Moses' life. I'm, right. not, I'm not putting them on <laughs> equal footing. <laughs> But what do you say to the person who wasn't born and almost exterminated sure. and, and escaped out of their country and, yes. and, you know, had to live by faith from even a young age? Yeah. What do you say to the person who's had a, a fairly comfortable Western life for a lot of their existence? Yes. Uh, the, but, you know, the, the truth is I lived long enough and I have ministered, as you know, in at least three continents. I used to be a youth pastor, believe it or not. Uh, it's very hard to think that I'm a youth, but I do. And I was ministering to privileged kids. But their pain, their inner pain and their psychological pain and their feeling of insecurity, all these things are really has nothing to do with your social class. Right. It has to do with whether you know your identity is in Christ and therefore you're secure in him or your identity in who your daddy is or how you know what holdings your family has or what family name if you get into those things and whether you are privileged or you're not 
they will cause you pain. But in the end, I call people to say, regardless of your suffering, I may have suffered for a period of time when I was all alone in another country, not my home country, and I was literally starving. I didn't have food to eat. But that never changed my trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. So whether you have enough to eat or you don't, whether you have uh, clothes or luxury things or not, the problem is the problem of the heart, not the circumstances. Mm. And that's really what I hammer away whether it be talking about Moses in the book or talk about me in my experiences that I've been through. Uh, yeah, I escaped from Egypt like Moses. And then, believe it or not, you know, we had something in common. That's after many years of really going out and not knowing I could ever go back again because I just basically burnt my passport. Um, I ended up back with an invitation from the president of the country back in 77 which it was really remarkable. A guy who was like a fugitive now is back being honored by the head of the state. And so, you know, to a certain degree, I identify somewhat. I didn't kill anybody. Yeah, you didn't (laughs) didn't bring 10 plagues with you either. (laughs) As I went through it, I realized it's not just a narrative of of Moses' stories, but it's it's a lot of little lessons that are building up to, to the primary one. Yeah. And I wonder, and obviously you're you're very open about the things that you faced in your life, but which of the struggles um, or the, the issues that right. Moses faced yeah. do you think most similarly connected with you? And I will ask that sure. in your whole life, and then I will say, which ones do you think you most resonate with today? Well, generally speaking, I cannot identify with him growing up in the lap of luxury. I We were comfortable, but... And then I had to escape because of persecution and fear. So those are the things that kind of I relate to him. And the the most important part for me is that the hand of God was on him. And I know the hand of God is on me. As the hand of God is on you. As the hand of God on every one of his children in a unique way. And I really believe if God's children, if God, I'm talking about our brothers and sisters in Christ, the genuine Bible-believing Christians, if they understand that God's hand is on them, that they are privileged to know Jesus as their Savior and Lord, and that God is the one who supernaturally opened their eyes so they can come to him and, and be called the children of God, if they understand that privilege, if they focus on it, and not the surrounding circumstances, they will be shouting hallelujah even in the midst of those circumstances. In the book you talked about, uh, until you go up to glory, that's the day you'll be handed your diploma of sanctification. Are there any of these particular lessons that you feel like you're still Yeah, one of of the great challenges in that book I talk about is the way Moses handled criticism. Right. I wish that I could have been able to handle criticism, particularly when it's their personal yeah. personal attack, as well as he did. And, and I'm trying, but here he is, the very woman who literally saved his life, his sister Miriam, and his brother, who was his interpreter, was by his side during the plagues everywhere. Then the two people turned out to be his worst critic instead of being his encouragers. And when God struck them with leprosy, what does Moses do? Go on his face before God and said, oh, please forgive them and heal them. 
And uh, I think that's a challenge for me, and that's a lesson I am continuously learning, and I hope that I do better each successive year. Mm. I know your personality, and so in in reading the book, you know, this book can feel like this is a book for the hard chargers, um, for the person that's got a lot of motivation and wants to go but isn't sure where, maybe needs direction, maybe needs a little bit of sure. um, some of the sanctification process, certainly. Yeah. But what about the person who maybe feels stuck in where they are in life? Right. Um, certainly that would be apparent today with COVID circumstances, sure. physically being stuck in a place yeah. or, or you feel like you're stuck in your job right. and you, you're not sure where. What's maybe a particular sure. word you have for that person? Well, well don't forget – <laughs> Moses was stuck for 40 years, <laughs> and, and we often forget that. Yeah. And I remember a period of time knowing that God called me to preach, and for a period of time I was more in a managerial leadership position, and I was not preaching like I believed God literally brought me to the world to do. And I felt like God had me on the shelf. And so Moses, 40 years with in Midian, with the Midianite, uh, surely got married and had kids and so forth. But nonetheless, I am convinced that he was totally depressed. Mm-hmm. I mean, every time he thought about his past, where he's been, and where he is now, no doubt he got down. Yeah, and amazing God that we have. You know, he was patient and kept him waiting for forty years. And I often say, Lord, I thank you. You did not keep me waiting for 40 years. I'll be dead by now. <laughs> then God, amazingly, and because, I, you know, here's what anybody out there who's listening to us who feels stuck or unfruitful or being shelved by God and not being used by God, and uh, particularly those who are in ministry, I know how that feels. I promise you that not very often do I say, I understand how you feel. That's one area I understand how those people who feel stuck, because I was stuck at least on two occasions. And the Lord kept saying, trust me. And that is why Moses' life became very real to me, because during that time, God was training him, was preparing him. He was, whether he knew it or not, he was equipping him. And so I remember praying urgently and fervently, said, Lord, you know, get me out of this situation. Well, I'm just, I'm, 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 I'm in neutral. And the Lord said, just trust me. Just trust me. Meanwhile, he was giving me experiences I could never have got for all the millions of dollars in the world. I mean, I was uh, having opportunities to meet certain people of prominence and this and that. And therefore, I think now, as I look back, I say, Lord, thank you for that time when I was stuck. It wasn't fun. I didn't, I don't think I would like to go back to it, but nonetheless, it is a great time of equipping and preparation, and the Lord taught me a lot of lessons during that time, and I'm sure he did the same with Moses. Yeah, there's there's always seems to be, and I think in the book you talk about God's never too early or too late. He's yeah. always right on time, yeah. and I think it's in the, almost in that crucible of the waiting yeah. that he's refining his exactly. people. Exactly. Because if we go out too early and we don't have enough tools in our belt to do the work, yeah. then you sort of could feel left stranded. But it, yeah. instead, he's he's used that time. Yeah, but don't forget he was also reluctant. He was a reluctant leader. 
even though he was charging and doing and so forth, but that was not natural, did not come natural to him. I mean, even God got ex- exasperated with him and said, I can't speak. I can't do this. I can't do that. Finally, God said, hey, you're talking to the God of the universe here, yeah. and I'm going to use you. And so finally, he kind of gets it and uh, becomes strengthened. But there might be other people out there who are reluctant. You know, just trust God. Yeah. Take us one step at a time. One of the big issues that in particular our country is facing is dealing with this issue of justice and injustice. And this is obviously all throughout Moses' life. Sure. You even have a chapter on righteous anger. I wonder if you could talk a little bit about how this book, how reading through Exodus and Numbers will help sure. the believers have a right perspective on on justice and right. what God is doing. Well, we have to understand, as long as we are in this fallen world, there will always be injustices. To think we're going to create a utopia is absolute fallacy. That's what Karl Marx thought and Engel. They just thought, well, you know, we can create a utopia, and we can do this, and we do that. Man is a material being, and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And, um, and then they followed Kierkegaard's thesis and antithesis, and that's brought special pressure to break down, uh, literally, society so they can rebuild it. All that is Marxism. It's not really gospel. For the Bible-believing Christian, when they see injustice, don't protest, don't go and tear down shops or homes, give of yourself— now, I just saw the item in the news, so many wealthy white kids who are running around destroying properties. They're very rich kids. They should take their million-dollar allowance and give it to charity. And that's really how you deal with injustice, not go around and destroy a poor guy's shop. And that is really where we are going about it the wrong way in our culture. And if we don't put an end to this, we can be in deep trouble. And I call upon all believers to start praying for God to open the eyes of these blind people who think that they can create utopia. We can't. God can, but your part is very important, right. and that's give of yourself. Yeah. Go down and help the, the poor. Go down and, and serve the, the unserved. Do the things that God called us to do instead of being destructive. Yeah. If you had to tie a bow on um, this conversation and, and you're, you're doing your elevator pitch for sure. Treasure That Last, what would sort of be your... Well, you need to read the book because it will, whatever, whichever circumstance you're in, you're going to find something there that's going to help you. Whatever issue you're dealing with, I promise you, money back guarantee. <laughs> as It'll it be covered. Even though we're not selling the book, we, we are um, giving it for a gift of any amount. Uh, but I think that everybody is going to find something that's going to bless them and encourage them, motivate them in life. Uh, they may have some misguided views about certain things that's going to help them correct it and have biblical eyes and biblical worldview. So it's a book. It's a must really for everybody to read, especially in the midst of what we're going through right now. Yeah. Well. Thank you very much. Pleasure. Your busy schedule to come and visit my humble podcast. It's my pleasure. Thank (laughs) you for inviting me. Sure. The treasure that lasts being the life that is lived in conformity with the will of God. The life that grows in Christ's likeness. Because if that is what heaven will be, 
then we can begin that process here and now while looking forward to the day when the things of this world pass away and all that is left is Christ and what we have done for him and through him. I really enjoyed reading Treasure That Lasts, and I hope you will grab your copy today. Like Dad shared, we don't sell the book. Instead, we offer it for your gift of any amount to the ministry of Leading the Way. And you can secure your copy today at ltw.org. We'll also link the book in today's show notes. Just a side note that Leading the Way claims Dad as the ministry's number one volunteer. He receives no compensation for his time, nor does he receive royalties from the sale of the resource material he produces. Candid is a podcast from Leading the Way with Dr. Michael Youssef. If you liked today's episode, please share it with a friend, leave a review, and subscribe on your favorite podcast platform. By subscribing, you make sure that you never miss an episode. It's delivered to you as soon as we release it. Don't forget to connect with our social media pages on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Check out our show notes for more information on today's guest. As always, thank you for listening to and sharing this episode.